to the Quality Preschool Practice podcast. My name is Jackie Ward and I'm from I'm the Early Learning Coordinator uh, from the Department of Education and we're here today talking about the professional learning that we commissioned to University of Wollongong to implement based on the KISS study, evidence-based um, professional learning that works on supporting and enhancing intentional and relational pedagogy. I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Catherine Nielsen-Hewitt, Kim Stouse-Lee and Faye Gowers from the University of Wollongong that are joining me today in the discussion. So in terms of the professional development, it was delivered across two key phases. Phase one was a full day where we came together as a collective. And this session really focused on aspects and evidence that support quality. So we discussed things like what aspects of quality practice make a difference for children. And we also introduced educators to measures or tools that are designed to support quality practice, quality improvement and reflective practice. Phase two was delivered across four sessions that were two hours each, and we delivered these across six sites as well as one online group, both in terms of metro areas as well as regional and remote areas. And phase two focused on professional competence and curriculum areas that we know are important for children. So we talked about things like self-regulation, emergent literacy and language, numeracy, early mathematics, science and critical thinking. The structure of the PD was important, so we prioritised collective participation and active learning. So what we encouraged was a sense of connection and cohesion across preschools, but it was also important that we had a number of educators from each preschool attend the professional development, as this really created a platform for discussion and reflection. We also provided time between sessions and this gave educators a chance to apply or to contextualise their PD to their own practice. So we really encouraged educators to make individual adaptions and this was designed to support ownership and sustainability of any changes. So it was around ensuring their practice was embedded in their service operation. Aspects of the practice that were really emphasised throughout the professional development included things like uh, using observation and assessment and planning. We focused on things like relational and intentional pedagogy, how educators support the home learning environment, but also ways to foster pedagogical leadership within those learning contexts. And I guess fundamental to each session was the inclusion of evidence-based understandings of how young children learn best. So we included notions of holistic learning and, and really about how do we extend children's active engagement and participation in activities. That's awesome. And I think we had a number of goals throughout the um, professional learning suite. Um, and I just thought I'd share in relation to the first goal, just a few uh, comments from evaluations before we get into a bit of a deeper discussion on the other goals that we had for the professional learning. The first one was to improve quality practice um, of our preschool services. And some of the comments that we received from participants across the sessions were that it was a wonderful professional learning, very valuable. The resources and tools will become an important part of ongoing reflection on practice. That it was a very informative day and a great opportunity for teams to engage in quality improvement. Uh, that it was good to hear uh, an, emphasize, um, an emphasis placed on scientific language and it'll help to build children's vocabularies and encourage a more academic style of language. 
that there was opportunities to reflect on practice and notice what we do and how well we do it or where we need to improve. And another one that talked about, you know, the idea of, um, you know, everyday maths into the environment was an important part of that. So, um, yeah, it was a really well-received professional learning. And uh, as you mentioned, Catherine, I think the idea that it was staggered over time really allowed people to sort of re-engage and think and make some changes and think about ways that they could um, integrate, I guess, all of the ideas that we talked about throughout the session because there was some repeated ideas and themes about how the things intertwine, particularly, say, for example, the science and maths concepts and the literacy concepts. I think the environmental scales were a great tool to support a really um, objective assessment of practice as well, which I thought was another really um, strong point. So I guess I'll hand over to you guys to talk a little bit more about the other goals. So during the, um, the um, professional learning project, I had the opportunity to go out um, to some different areas and deliver some professional learning and also to, um, to lead the reflective conversations online through the Teams learning platform. So through that, one of the things that, um, that I really identified was that educators then had the, the knowledge to support their ability to um, promote children's learning because they were linking it back to or we were making the links with them back to theory and um, evidence base and for some of the um, participants they talked about it had been a long time since they'd done their training one of the key things that came out was when they actually um, initially did any of their um, training that they hadn't covered self-regulation so there was some new information as well that they had you know done some reading about they they had noticed in their own in their own context so to get some theoretical and evidence base around that was really helpful for them to um, to begin to unpack and critically reflect on what was happening in their spaces. And I think, Kim, one of the things that we know that we talk about how we create rich learning environments for children, and that's about creating the potential for differentiated learning platforms. And I think that same approach to teaching also extends to the professional learning platform. And I and that was one of the aspects that I know was appreciated by educators. There was a true recognition of different starting points and where people were starting their journey. But there was also an understanding that a lot of the educators came with real strength. So there was that recognition of what they were already doing well, but areas that certainly presented potential for growth and development. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think there's an opportunity for people. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to set the scene early on in the piece on our first day to say that it's the learner's responsibility to take what they can out of that um, professional learning. And I think sometimes people come to a professional learning, expect things to be sort of given to them. And I think this whole program or project was all about people really sort of delving in and reflecting and really thinking about what are they doing and you know acknowledging the strengths but also saying there's always areas I think for improvement. And that goal that you had Jackie around sustainability and really about an embedding practice change within within the preschool is really important and I think it's really about thinking about what we do well but actually looking at giving educators the skills to engage in critical reflection and to draw on data and look at what's actually happening and use that to inform their practice change and overwhelmingly we know that the research shows that professional learning that focuses on activities or practices does not result in sustainability 
sustained change and improvement from a, from a quality agenda. I'd like to go back to a point that Kim just raised, that very experienced educators uh, may have had a gap in their training, particularly around self-regulation. When I was out having ongoing conversations with educators, uh, it kept coming back to the realisation of how fundamental self-regulation was to the rest of the learning and that's where they had done their critical reflection in the time between the workshops and they kept coming back to that and that was where they were really seeing uh, gaps for themselves and having to really put in uh, the high quality practices that we talked around in the PL into into place so then they could go on and do the literacy, the maths and the science. So that understanding that self-regulatory behaviour is fundamental to children's development was really emphasised and really taken on board by the participants and came through in uh, much of our, uh, I guess, informal conversations um, in the face-to-face sessions. Absolutely. There was a lot of aha moments. People could see um, evidence of the children they were working with and they were able to contextualise it and start thinking about it from a child development point of view. And that was really empowering for them because it actually informs their critical reflection. And that was one of the key things that I think the training helped to deliver was we were looking at the overall approach. It wasn't just a band-aid. It wasn't just how am I going to respond for this one-off incident or this one-off child. It was about thinking about the, the entire pedagogical approach and what strategies that were used that actually supported children's learning um, in the context. Absolutely. And there, were, there was very much a lens around professionalisation of those educators and, and really supporting in terms of their critical thinking. And I know some of the feedback that I received from educators in, in my group was that, that they really felt very empowered through access to research and evidence-based practices, but they also talked about the high expectations that were set of them and reflected on sometimes PD can be dumbed down and that they really they felt that that really contributed to their own personal growth as a professional, but also the way that they approached teaching and that sense that they were given permission to teach, which was really important. I think it's a really good point. It was a good opportunity, I think, to cover off on some of those sort of more school-based kind of ideas of science and literacy and numeracy and maths because I think in our department preschools that can be a bit of a risk of push-down curriculum and what's happening in the school space. Um, and I think that the professional learning provided an opportunity to look at that from an early childhood lens and, as you say, evidence-based approach that is appropriate for early childhood as opposed to you know, what's happening in the school space. I think that's a really good point about um, providing the shared language because the language of this professional learning can actually go across from the preschools into the, the kindergarten and beyond. So I think that's a really, um, a really important point that the educators could speak to the teachers, could speak to the kindergarten, could speak to the Peter two coordinators, and that was very empowering for them. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really important that educators in that early childhood space are able to articulate their practice and the learning that's happening so that it's not just about, you know, oh, they're learning through play, you know, and very sort of generic type terms and ideas. And I think that that was um, an awesome part of the professional learning as well. And I think, Faye, you talked about that feedback from an assistant principal that was really interested in the professional learning. That actually happened in one of Kim's sessions. Right. Yeah, at, um, at Adamstown in Newcastle. So we, um, it was 
it was a really good opportunity to come together. And one of the things I'll pick up is what Jackie said about those kind of school-based curriculum um, content areas about really unpacking what the emergent science looks like. What does emergent literacy look like? So we're not actually trying to replicate what's happening in schools, but we're actually having an approach that supports children with all of those underpinning, underpinning skills to actually get to um, that readiness for school and readiness for life. Well, and mapping it back to the learning outcomes too, because all of those things are embedded within the learning outcomes, but people don't always see them as sort of as overt. Um, we think about um, learning outcome number five, there's lots of literacy and numeracy embedded throughout the, um, you know, the key components of the learning outcomes as well. That was one of the things that came through um, in the in the professional learning is that they we used to do that, but they found it tricky to locate it within the early years learning framework. And this professional development actually made those connections across those particular three uh, curriculum areas for them. And they could see it very visible within the early years learning framework and therefore realise they weren't uh, meeting those outcomes or not, but had found it difficult uh, to locate, as you say, um, where it sat because uh, we moved away from that language mm. in, under the early years learning framework. Um, and it can be tricky to work out where it sits. Yeah, I did think, I thought it was a great opportunity for people to reconnect with the early years learning framework as well as to analyse um, practice through the lens of the environmental scales as well. And I liked really uh, the point that you made, Catherine, it's about gathering data and in, in, in schools data is everything. Every decision should be based on data and I think this really gave our preschools an opportunity to have some data to refer to, which was I think also really great. And I think drawing on evidence base like that is very empowering for us as professionals. It can it gives us a sense of confidence. And if we ever have to defend to parents why we're doing what we do, that's what the research allows us to do. It empowers us to have those really difficult conversations. And I, I think another, as early childhood educators, we're often very time poor. We're asked to do a lot of things and we're not only supporting children, but we're supporting families and communities. And I think one of the strongest motivating factors that came out of the professional development were the stories that came from educators about the changes that they were seeing in terms of children's engagement and children's learning in a very short time. And that can motivate you to continue in terms of that journey and that cycle of practice. Some of the key pedagogical approaches that um, educators spoke to me about um, introducing into their practice was the owling. So if you remember, it was the observe, wait and listen, and that's intentional slowing down. So it actually spoke to both their intentional as well as their relational pedagogy. So that was a, a key takeaway that a lot of people um, talked about implementing and that that was a positive um, um, improvement of quality and practice in their service. So that was, that was a really positive. The other one that really stood out for me was dialogic reading. And the idea that lots of um, different educators had participated in different types of training around language and literacy, and um, but bringing it back to the purpose and that creating the dialogue and empowering the child um, and focusing on that language development and that opportunity to talk and have conversations was really important. So with that, um, grouping sizes really came to the forefront of many of the conversations that I had. 
And that owling, Kim, often when we're looking at our exceeding themes and when we're thinking about how do we support families, which is probably one of those those hard components in terms of really extending our edu- our education and our influence. I actually had some educators talk about how they use the owling as part of an information session with parents and giving parents permission to slow down and enjoy and actively listen to children. So it was really exciting to see some of those practices crossing those contextual boundaries and supporting families in those practices as well. That is nice. And one of the things I was going to say is that um, I thought that the um, the reflection sessions that we had and the in supporting educators to work through, um, you know, the, the RAPI and the reflection on practice Working uh, through the uh, RAPI and reflecting on practice, I noticed the first time uh, we had one of those sessions, Kim, that you ran, it was a bit like everyone was a little bit sort of uncertain and how am I doing that and how does that fit in? And by the end, everyone was really sort of uh, more accustomed, I guess, to engaging with critical reflection and understanding how that informs their practice. And it absolutely takes practice. It takes a lot of courage to speak up even in that platform when you're being you know, recorded and you have your peers across a, a wide geographical area, um, you know, listening and participating. But it's really, really important that we have opportunities to practice articulating our practice. It will help us with conversing with parents. It will help our relationships with our colleagues. And it will certainly assist with that assessment and rating process. So I think it's a, ongoing discussions are really critical. Yeah, and I think it really helps educators to connect with the why of their practice, which is key in building um, or enhancing quality, isn't it? If you really know why you're doing something, you can really speak to that well and you really understand what you practice, the influence, I guess, that it's having or the outcome that it's having on children and families' lives. And if we're thinking about our QIP and we're looking at what are our goals in terms of quality improvement, we can have multiple sources of evidence to say why this is a focus. And it might be a focus because it reflects a community or familial need, or it might be a focus because we've come together as a group. And this is an area that has huge potential for growth. There's other areas that we have strength and we feel that this can complement our area in terms of literacy development or creating an environment that fosters critical thinking in children. So I think having those scales combined with the RAPI, which which really supports that quick reflective cycle and collegial discussion really supports as a, as sources of evidence around that. We should probably, uh, for the listeners, uh, spell out what does RAPI stand for? So the RAPI is Reflection, Assessment, Planning, Implementation and Evaluation. Yeah, which is just the cycle of, um, you know, the planning cycle, the reflection cycle, that idea that we're always looking at um, what we're doing in ways that we could um, improve our practice. And the scales really come into their own when you're looking at that assessment part, because a lot of educators go straight from that reflection that they've been thinking about what's happening in their service and they jump straight into that planning Whereas the assessment part can be really supported by using the scales to take a step back, have some time and actually gather some data about what's happening. Not only is that helpful for the planning, it's actually a really great tool when you're evaluating. You can actually see your distance travelled and the successes that you've had and it enables you to share with that shared language the, um, the progress that you're making. And we should actually explain the environmental scales as well. So we use the Eka Z and the STEW. 
uh, and we had uh, copies for all of our preschools so that they could continue to engage with those scales and continue to use them as a tool for measuring the quality of practice and assessing the quality of their teaching and their environments and all of those sorts of things. And uh, I know that I was really excited because I've sort of, you know, read research, um, you know, skirted on the ideas of what the um, environmental scales are, but never actually had uh, the opportunity to use them in practice. And I think they've been really well received. What a great tool that we have available to us. They are. And, and I think it is one of a compendium of tools that educators can draw upon to support reflective practice, but they, they create opportunities for really rich pedagogical discussions. And I think the important thing is that they're not a curriculum uh, and they don't replace the um, earliest learning framework, but what they do is they, they they create an opportunity to reflect on our practice. And I know Faye might want to share with us a wonderful um, story of how it's actually been used in one of your preschools to really create a platform for really rich discuss, discussions and practice improvement. So I um, was uh, having a conversation in one of my face-to-face uh, sessions and uh, a, a teacher shared with me how she had uh, gone back to her centre after the literacy uh, professional development and shared that amongst her team. And they'd used the item uh, indicators at um, on just one of the particular items within the literacy scale and each person had to write down whether on the evidence against that particular item and that was done individually then they came back to as a collective and under each item um, maybe one person only had one source of evidence under that particular indicator others might have had five so it just went to show how strong that particular indicator was visible uh, within their their context so for uh, some of them they had like five or four evidences against that indicator where some only had one and it was it was a very uh, reflective collaborative process but also at the individual level and they did it across all six uh, literacy um, subscales in the ECHAS E and they got a very clear picture of where they were strong but where they also had room for improvement and it was just informing that ongoing cycle um, and also informing their QIP as well. Yeah, and I think that was a really good component that we were always talking about the idea of, you know, if you're working on some improvements based on the professional learning or based on the use of the scales, that you incorporate that back into your quality improvement plan, which is, it, that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a living document that is part of your everyday practice, not not a document that sort of sits on the shelf, you know, for whatever. If, you, if you're working on doing some things, reflecting and changing, document it through your QIP. I just wanted to also come back to something that you've all touched on around the scales. Something that I've um, encouraged people who I've worked with in the scales is using the language of the scales to help justify pedagogy to um, colleagues, to parents, because it is such a uh, an easy language to use, particularly when you're becoming used to doing that with people. It is, um, and because it, you can then say this is where we're at and this is where we want to go. So engaging with the actual language of the scales is really useful in being able to write it into your QIP 
maybe write it into the daily diary for families or if you do online digital posting or things like that but then also having the language when you're engaging with um, the kindergarten classes as well so the, if you're unsure of how to do what Kim's talked about and Catherine in terms of justifying our curriculum the scales actually have a really beautiful language to engage with that will build the confidence to talk and speak about um, what you currently are engaging with in the service. Yeah, definitely. Being able to articulate your uh, curriculum decisions, your professional judgment, just all supporting that yeah. um, building of confidence. And, and um, I do and want to just touch on that example uh, that Faye talked about and what happened in that preschool and relate to the notion of time. And I think when it comes to professional learning, time is both a facilitator but a barrier to practice change. And what we saw there in that example is that that was prioritised within that preschool, that this is something that we, we want to improve and we really and they really intentionally thought about how they can actually support translation from the professional learning context into the, into the classroom setting. And I, so I think in terms of sustainability and ongoing change, it's important to prioritise that at an educational level and give yourselves time as educators to have those deep discussions and reflective discussions. And, and that's just as important as the time that you spend with the children in the classroom. Yeah, and I think that sort of um, brings me to the point about what lessons learned from our point of view with this professional learning. And it was something that we kind of um, rolled out fairly quickly and without a lot of forewarning. So it was a bit of a challenge, I think, for people to allocate the time and get release and all of those sorts of things. But it's something that I think was um, definitely worthwhile for people who did invest the time, but not only, as you say, Catherine, in the session itself, but then implementing some changes. Um, some of the things that we have drawn on from that are the idea of focusing really a lot more heavily on supporting practice change because like especially beyond the, the professional learning project because that's how we do achieve that embedded sustained change. And we don't want the, um, you know, all of the, the lessons learned from the professional learning to be something that, oh, in 2019, we had a quality preschool practice and that was it. Uh, we want to keep coming back to the ideas and when we are working on future professional learning that we come back to educators drawing on the um, environmental scales and drawing on the ideas and concepts of the self-regulation sessions or the you know, the science um, session or all those sorts of things. So we're building on the knowledge uh, for educators and we're getting them to, you know, if we think about um, learning outcome number four, you know, the idea of trans children transferring, adapting, learning, uh, applying the same kind of approach for adults, you know, drawing in the bits and pieces of learning and applying it in other places and sessions. And I think that's critical. There's, there's always a tension between how much time you spend on professional learning and then what happens in the classroom. But, but in terms of sustainability, it's about dipping into that community of practice that you've created within the DOE preschools and those shared learnings. And that's really important for sustainability. But you have such a wonderful model in your P2 educators and the, the potential to extend this learning and contextualise this learning through in-centre mentorship, which I think is a real value add 
to have those continued relationships. And I, and I think that that's the piece in the puzzle that will continue that ongoing learning and reflective discussions far beyond the face-to-face professional learning. Yeah, I agree. In our final online reflective conversation, a lot of people were already starting to think forward to next year. So they were actually taking on their professional learning and thinking about how they were going to start from the beginning of the year with high expectations and embedding some of the practices. So some of those approaches that we talked about, um, particularly self-regulation uh, resonated with people about what the um, the time in relational pedagogy um, would be spent or be a focus for term one and understanding how that was going to underpin all of the curriculum um, teaching and learning that, that they would plan um, going forward. Um, but even just some of the strategies, like we talked about the owling, the dialogic reading, but um, particularly that process of science and that, that investigation and how that could be embedded as not just a one-off whiz-bang science activity, but a way of thinking and working um, in the classroom for the educators and the children. So role modelling that and actually having the children participate. So it was really, um, really inspiring to think that um, teachers were thinking forward they were thinking, how can I actually put this um, in practice in in my space um, next to you? So that's a, a good example of um, already thinking about embedding it and that, that attitude to say, let's take this moving forward is really positive. That's great. Well, thank you. I think that was a really great um, debrief on the project and we look forward to opportunities in the future. And can I say, Jackie, we so enjoyed working with the educators and I wanted to thank those educators who really committed to this journey with us. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And as I said, we did sort of call upon them very last minute and we did get some great support. So um, cheers to all of those people that uh, found a way to be there and, and engage with it in such a, um, a joyful way and really got a lot out of it.